We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back. What's going on? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you for tuning in, whether you're listening, whether you're watching today. It has been a hot minute <laughs> since I've had my good buddy on, Joe Yearn. It's been a few weeks, man. Uh, first and foremost, how you doing? How you feeling? Doing good, man. Doing good. It, it has been a little while. Things have been a little busy, I think, for everybody. Like, football season started. Hockey stuff is is underway now. So it's like it's a lot of like you know juggling cats to try to, <laughs> to try to get on like the same <laughs> schedule to do stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been about three and a half weeks since yeah. Joe's been on last. And uh, let me tell you this: we're you're going to pay the price for that because we're going to do a double. <laughs> we're going back to back. So this is going to be two parts, actually. Today, we're going to focus more on football stuff, and that's dropping. Hopefully, you're hearing this on Tuesday. And then we're going to also record a podcast after this for Wednesday, revolving more around uh, the Buffalo Sabres. People who've been listening to the show and watching the show for a long time have been wondering. So let me kind of lay out how it's going to be going forward. So now for the last year or so, Joe's been on, and we've done casual Friday pretty much every Friday. And that's always been a shitload of fun. It's, I've said it a million times. It's, they're my favorite podcast to do because we talk sports, but we also talk about just Buffalo and life. And then we have our fun uh, starting five draft every week. That's not changing. However, the date is going to change. So again, Joe kind of alluded to that schedule wise. Thursdays are just tough for both of us mm-hmm. to be able to uh, record. And there's been a lot of stuff over the course of the summer. Joe had his, his shoulder surgery. So I had to go through that rehab process. I had one week where I just like mentally couldn't deal with the world. So we didn't do a show that week. A couple weeks ago, um, I was going to the Notre Dame game. It was, I was leaving literally right after the Bills Rams opener. So just Thursdays were really tough. And the biggest reason is because I work a second job on Thursdays. So the window where uh, I'd have a, a chance to tape with Joe was much, much, uh, the window was much more narrow. So we right. had to either tape by one o'clock, or then we wouldn't tape till 11 at night. 11 o'clock at night is really late for us old folks right now at this point of our, of our lives. And like I said, just a lot of stuff going on. And now of course, Joe is uh, covering hockey again, like as a media member at the arena on a day-to-day basis, we'll spend more time talking about that on Wednesday, but just so people know going forward, what they can expect. 
Joe and I are going to tape on Mondays. Monday's just a much more flexible day because, again, I don't work a second job. And even if the Sabres have a game that night or whatever, we can find time. It'll be much more uh, flexible. We're both available. So I don't know. We're going to have to come up with a name. I, I like the name Casual Friday, so I am going to miss that. But uh, mm-hmm. we're going to do a Tuesday show, and we're going to still continue our starting five draft uh, every Tuesday. So that'll be fun. Just want to let people know that Joe Yurden is a uh, – a busy man now with hockey, man, which by the way, I'm so happy to see you, uh, back in your element, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know what I mean? At the rink yeah. all the time, at all the pressers It's good for you. It's good for, uh, your content. It's one thing to, and you know, this better than anybody, man. It's one thing to, to, uh, have conversations about hockey when you're watching. It's another thing when you're there and you got your finger really on the pulse of the team and mm-hmm. you're there at the press conferences and the practices, you're just seeing every little thing. So, does make a big difference and i'm happy for you man it's awesome fucking news excuse me yeah yeah i (laughs) i i've been i've been keeping my uh my excitement and you know uh, giddiness kind of under control for for you know the first few days of this because it's man because like last i mean apart from a handful of uh ap games that i was doing and even still there there was no room access or any of that stuff we were still doing everything over zoom uh the last two years but because of covid right oh yeah right and um, but now it's like back, back in the house, back doing this, you know, going down every day for practices and, and, you know, games and stuff like that, but doing that. And after, after the Sabres game Tuesday night, tonight, right. Tuesday night. Yeah. I'm trying, mm-hmm. to, trying to get our days in, in, in effect for when, the, when this is going to be playing, but Tuesday night, we're going to be back in the room and first time since March, 2020. Yeah. That's gonna, really cool. Back in the locker room. So it's going to be really cool. I'm fully expecting the guys to. Uh, chirp us on the way in and it'll be great and we'll everybody will be happy it'll be be excited well happy for now <laughs> anyways i'm sure once the season gets going they're gonna get really tired of seeing us but you know what it's it's been a, it's been a good two two-year vacation for them from us um and it's been i i think after a little while i think everybody realized we kind of need to be around each other because the zoom stuff just sucks out loud yeah and it does you don't get to build any relationships like that. That's a big part of the yeah you know, part of the game. Like we've talked not, about that. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. it's tough, and you get get one question, and then it's on to the next. It's a, yeah. it's better than nothing, but it's not much better than nothing. You know, it, it's certainly <laughs> not the same. We'll talk uh, on the episode that drops Wednesday a little bit more about what you're doing specifically. Again, Joe's involved now with a couple of different media outlets, so uh, we'll talk about that more on tomorrow's show. So we're taping this late on a Monday. It is gloomy as shit outside, man. It is cold. <laughs> it is raining. It felt like it was dark at noon today. It's just, uh, <laughs> I, I want to say this weather sucks, but dude, I mean, you know, compared to to what's going on potentially in Florida right now with uh, Hurricane Ian barreling in, you know, it, it does remind me. So obviously I'm back here living in Buffalo. And again, people have listened to this for a while. You know, I spent, five years in Florida. And it does remind me that, so I moved to Florida in 2016 and Mm -hmm. hurricane Irma came in 2017. And at the time, and I remember this well, it hadn't, a hurricane had not affected the Tampa, the Gulf coast side of Florida since 1960 before that. So people where I lived on the Gulf coast, never had nothing to worry about. But I remember that week, Joe, like it was in some ways, I still remember like it was yesterday and Mm -hmm. early in the week, you know, groceries were gone off the shelves quick you know people were but like the demeanor the mood felt upbeat and fine almost felt like we were all in for kind of an adventure as crazy as that might sound 
then I remember by midweek, it started to get a little more ominous, the, the, the feeling. Uh, I remember the I-75 bumper to bumper, literally people evacuating the state when it got to be Wednesday because the, the hurricane was coming that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember by Thursday, Friday, though, it was so ominous at the grocery stores. The shelves were completely empty, not even just food. You couldn't buy batteries and, you know, all the you couldn't find candles anywhere to save your life. Mm-hmm. It, it was at that point, I remember, because I, again, I'm not Floridian, so I had just moved down there literally a year before. So I started getting scared. I'm nervous and looking up shelter homes and and things like that. And then it hit on, on a Sunday because it was the NFL season opener. The Bills were playing against the Jets. That's why I remember it so well. Ended up being a little more barked and bite where I lived in that area because the eye of the uh, storm kind of turned a little bit. Mm-hmm. But and that was some scary-ass shit. I, I, I feel bad for people right now and you know, in Florida and the Tampa side. And obviously we hope for the best for him. And hopefully it ends up kind of being a, you know, hopefully the bark is a little uh, more than the bike this time as well. But uh, our thoughts are with them. Obviously yeah, it's, it's, it's freaky stuff, man. Uh, the, the, yeah. I, I, I felt bad for, cause you know, I follow a ton of people in Canada hockey, obviously. Sure. Um, but what was it? It was Fiona hurricane Fiona was ripping, you know, rip past the, the mainland, the U S but, shot up towards the Maritimes and they're like up in Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island. And, you know, up that way, New Brunswick, like we're talking 45, 50 foot waves out in the ocean and stuff like that. And, you know, they're without power, all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. They're like places that don't normally get these kinds of storms, unless it's like what the perfect storm, except it comes on land. You know, it's not, you know, it, it's stuff like that where it's just terrifying, but like, it's, you know, I know Florida's used to it, but like, you know, the coast, the, you know, upper, upper Northeast coast of Canada is not used to getting that kind right. of, I mean, they get right. some wicked storms up there too, but ain't nothing like that, but that's, yeah. it's crazy. It is. And obviously I, I, again, I lived there for five years and I've made a ton of friends who, who live in that area. And I know a couple people are, there's mandatory evacuations going on right now. So anyway, our thoughts are with you guys and, and hopefully everything ends well. Let's, uh, let's just dive right into the bills game from Sunday. Um, let me ask you a question. When you were a kid, or even, I don't know, maybe when you were a teenager too, your parents, whether it's your mom, your dad, or your uncle, aunt, grandpa, whenever they would say, Joe, I got some good news and I got some bad news. We've all heard that from our parents at some point. Mm-hmm. What did you prefer to hear? Like when somebody says, Joe, I got good news for you. I got bad news for you. What do you want to hear first? What's your first answer I, when you're at? First, I ask, how serious is it? Because <laughs> if it's not super serious, then it's like, all right, just you know, hit me with the bad news first. Cause then, you know, the good news, you, you finish. Okay. On if it's really bad news, it's like, get to the point. I don't, don't play games with me. Don't be around. <laughs> just the just tell me what's going on and, and we'll move on from there. But, well, yeah. the bad news is really bad. If you're a Buffalo bills fan, I guess, or, or, or a, a big time fanatic. So. <laughs> I mean, I didn't catch up on like what the updates were today. I assume there's more people on the, the, the injured list or whatever. People are banged up mm-hmm. folks, man. That was, well, that injury report last week going into the game was like, okay, good luck. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I ask you because to me, and again, obviously the Bills lost 21-19, a, a very close game with tons of things going against them. Should we start by talking about the good parts of the game, the things that are good for the Bills? Should we jump right to what's bad? It's kind of like, where, where do you want to go first, man? I'm going to let you kind of drive this car. Let's start with the good first. 
Because I, I think the bad might be easy to pile on, and then we might get things might get a little sideways. So let's start with the good stuff. All right. Well, I mean, the good news, in a way, I mean, a loss is a loss. All right. So a loss is never good. But the Bills lost by two points in a game where, like I said, the deck was quite literally stacked against them. They're playing on the road. They're playing uh, on a short week of preparation because they played on Monday Night Football. Um, they were playing on a field where uh, the on-field index was over 100. Guys were dropping left and right, and they were playing with quite literally no depth because a ton of people were missing before the game, and a lot of guys went down during the game. I'm just going to kind of briefly run down this list, which is just absolutely amazing. So the Bills played without their starting center, Mitch Morse. They played without both their defensive tackles, Ed Oliver, and Jordan Phillips. And Jordan Phillips has been an animal for the first two weeks, man. I mean, he's been sensational since re-signing with the Bills. So they played without not one, but both of them. They played without their number one corner, Dane Jackson, who's looked well early. He had the neck injury. Hopefully it's more of a scare than a long-term injury. We mm -hmm. still don't know that answer for sure. But anyway, he was not playing. They played without not one, but two of their all-pro safeties. No Jordan Poyer, mm -hmm. who's had an interception in both games this season, was a first-team all-pro safety last year. And no Micah Hyde, who sadly is not just out for this game. He's now done for the season. Mm -hmm. Suffered a neck injury late against the Titans. Kind of a freak play. He's done for the year. So no center. Neither of your defensive tackles. Not your number one corner. Neither all-pro safety. Um, when the game started, their starting cornerback, the rookie Christian Benford, who won the job over the first round pick throughout training camp in the preseason, he started the game. He didn't even last the first half because he ended up with it, which has now been determined to be a fractured hand when he's going to miss a couple weeks going forward. He returned to the game, but he could only play special teams. He couldn't play defense. Mm -hmm. So no Christian Benford, basically. Their starting right tackle, Spencer Brown, was gone before halftime because of heat illness which makes a lot more sense now because I was screaming at my TV to get this guy off the field. I mean, mm -hmm. he was getting absolutely murdered out there, but you know, the illness probably played at least some role in that. But anyway, no Spencer Brown. They're starting right guard in the second half left with the concussion, Ryan Bates, who mm -hmm. today on Monday, as we record, this is now in concussion protocol. So who knows what his status is going to be going forward. So no Ryan Bates. So then they're down in the wait, football. isn't it? Are we doing the good news? <laughs> no, this is still well, this is the good news. Okay. I, I guess. Because <laughs> no, I'm still going over through everything they had to overcome yeah. throughout this game. I'm like, wait, this sounds really dire. With, with, with Mitch Moore, with Mitch Morse out, their start their backup center, Van Rodden, started the game. Well, he didn't last. He got knocked out in the second half. So by the end, by the end of the game, they're down there, their third center, uh, Greg Mance, who wasn't even on the team, I don't believe, a week ago. Mm -hmm. Jake Kumaro who played for Gabe Davis against Tennessee last week and looked really good, and he's a key special team player, and he caught a pass early in the game on that catch, hurt his ankle. He's out of high ankle sprain. He left for good, and he's going to be out for multiple weeks. That Sean McDermott mentioned that today on Monday. And then you have Gabe Davis, who did play on an injured ankle, but I'm telling you right now, you'd be hard-pressed to find a bigger Gabe Davis fan than myself, mm -hmm. okay? He was a shell of himself on Sunday, okay? He couldn't run routes. He couldn't get separation. He 
I don't want to say he dropped because he didn't drop, but it was a touchdown pass in the second half that was in his hands in the end zone. He let the corner knock the ball out. And then ditto on the last drive. He didn't hold on to a ball. It's by far the worst I've seen him look. And again, I'm positive and confident that you could attribute that to the injury. Uh, mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox, they were all in and out of the game multiple times with uh, cramping and, and needing IVs. I mean, dude, Joe, shit. By the, by the second half, they had a guy out there who's literally on the practice squad on Saturday. Uh, Jamarcus Ingram, he was not only was he out there, he was playing corner and he was going one-on-one with Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill covered him. All that shit I just told you, mm-hmm. and they still lost by two points. Mm-hmm. I, I consider that silver lining. I guess is that the yeah. right word? Yeah, I don't want to say moral victory, but in a way, do you believe in moral victories at all? No, all no. Right. silver both. lining sounds better than silver lining and defeat. Yeah, that's sometimes a loss is, is, is never good in the standings, but sometimes do you think, and I'm asking this as a question, mm-hmm. a loss can help you more in the long term, even if it hurts you when you walk off the field that day. What do you think about that? I think a loss can help you in the long run because you learn from it, whether it's things that happen in game or how you were able to come together as a team or, you know, little things like that where it's more chemistry ish, you know, bond, you know, team bonding, like not, not that you want to be bonding over, you know, guys go, guys getting hurt and, you know, you know, tough situations, tough conditions, all that stuff. You don't, you don't want to be bonding over that stuff, but like you, you have to accept the situations for what they are and then make the best of them. They made pretty well out of it. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to some stuff in the in the bad news part of it, which <laughs> given all the injuries, I don't know how there's good. I get I get like the moral victory thing that you're talking about. Maybe, maybe you're that's the good news. How much but, worse can it get than that? I know. I get, boy, it's oh. like it's like staring death in the face and being like, well, at least it won't hurt, I guess. But you I've, know, I've got tired of seeing all these injuries. I forgot one, and I didn't oh. even know this because it was never mentioned during the game. Tommy Doyle, the backup. Uh, one of the interior backup linemen, he's, mm-hmm. he plays a little tag, a little guard. He actually had to play because of the injuries uh, after Ryan Bates went down. He tore his ACL. He's out for the season. Jeez. So, yeah, it was, it was bad. Now, I will say this, and I kind of agree with you when you say there's no such thing as a moral victory, although I do think sometimes a loss can prepare, propel you to mm-hmm. greater heights in the long term. And kind of we'll talk about that in a minute. But I will say this, everything I said, the heat, the short week, all these the litany of injuries, their excuses, and I think they're valid excuses, but at the end of the day, that's what they are, excuses. The Bills mm-hmm. didn't lose because of the injuries or or any of that stuff. They, they lost because they didn't execute during the biggest moments of the game because for mm-hmm. all the shit that they had to overcome, it was right there to take. You know, they yeah. had second and goal at the one inside two minutes, and they didn't score. They got the ball back, only needing a field goal, and they couldn't get in the field goal position. And again, we'll kind of cover this when we, you know, when we get to some of the bad, but I will say that they still didn't execute. Now, the reason why this game was a two point game, the reason why it was close. And I don't know if you agree with me or not. I, I thought Josh Allen was absolutely sensational with all things considered, all things considered, dude, the offensive line was a disaster. Literally two, three fifths of the offensive line didn't even play or the starters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Guys were coming in and out like crazy. They were blitzing them every play. He again playing in 95 degree heat. He was taking a beating. He got hit a lot. He was gassed. He's still due for 401 yards, two touchdowns, 
He ran for 47 yards again. He was hit about a gazillion times, it felt like, and, mm-hmm. and pressured even more. I can only imagine how dead-ass tired he must have been when that fourth quarter came in. Big-ass boy like that, out in that heat, taking the beating he did behind a, a patchwork offensive line and a team just mm-hmm. teeing off on him. He took a beating. He still threw for 400. Was he perfect? No. I, I mean, obviously, he was He was far from perfect but i don't know i i walked away really really impressed with josh i kind of feel like you don't agree with that no i i don't I, it was gutsy like i i'm full marks on that. It, that that's a gutsy effort like that's a you know line was getting blown up he had guys on his back all game you know like that they were out on the field constantly um uh, which mm-hmm. you know I, and 90 plays i think they were in 90 plays yeah i i and i mean Given the conditions, you know, sometimes you got to wonder, like, maybe we just got to take a couple shots at the end zone and, you know, maybe get off the field a little faster instead of trying to grind out drives. That's a, that's a McDermott thing. Um, but, I mean, Allen, Allen had four four picks dropped. You know, one was a pick six late. That would have been a pick six late. Uh, there was a lot of... That's there fair. A, he did. He had some there was a lot of flashbacks. Passes. Yeah, there was a lot of flashbacks to that Houston playoff game where I was like, oh, boy. Like a lot of the stuff from like those first couple of seasons of him where it was a lot of that stuff came flying back, you know, really dumb decisions where he's under pressure and he's just lot, you know, throwing it up in the air. And it's like, whether he threw it deep or he thinks he's got, he's got a back, you know, uh, swinging out wide, you know, like almost across the field. And he's just kind of like, I know there's a guy there. Let me just tuck it up there. And you got, you know, you got safeties and linebackers fighting each other, trying to get at the ball and, you know, not getting it. And, it's he was very fortunate on a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. And I and I know and I know Bills fans are getting are like, well, Matt Milano had a pick six. Yes, true. Like, yeah, it should have been one. Should have been one. But man, oh man, Allen was throwing the ball right to some of these guys a lot of the day, and they couldn't catch him. And that that's that's where like it that stuff doesn't show up in the stats, obviously. I know, but you know, you look at it like, wow, 400 yards. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, it ran for like almost 50. That's crazy. That's good. You know, the percentage wasn't too bad. You know, he threw a ton of passes. It wasn't too bad. You know, he throws to a ton of he guys. He threw the that- most passes in the history of the franchise. 63 mm-hmm. is the most any quarterback's ever thrown. He beat Jim Kelly's record from the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's there, there's a lot of stuff there where you go back and look at the box score. Oh, man, what a game he had. But you go back and watch some of the some of the tape of how that game went. And you're like, oh, they were very fortunate to even be within two. You know, not, that, that's, the way, that's right. the way I see it. But I, you know, I'm again not a Bills fan. A Bills I, I, follower. I, we say that a every Bills week. follower, not a Bills fan, and I don't buy into a lot of the mythologizing, mythology, mythology that's getting built up around a lot of the guys with the team. Where I'm just kind of, I don't give a shit about that stuff. I'm not an excuse maker, honestly. I'm not, man. And trust me when I tell you, I fight with Bills fans constantly on Twitter because I am unafraid to be critical of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not an excuse maker for Josh Allen, but Dude, he sixty three. So much was put mm-hmm. on him in the in, in this game. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, again, throwing sixty three passes, they could, they can't run the football. All right, let's just put that out there. Zach Boss had a beautiful forty three yard run. That aside, man, they cannot run the football. Okay, Miami was blitzing him to death, mm-hmm. blitzing him to death, and he and, and Josh made a pay a couple times. Both touchdown passes were beautiful reads on blitzes. He mm-hmm. dropped a perfect pass in the bucket. To Isaiah McKenzie, um, mm-hmm. a, a perfect uh, pass down the sideline that that should have ended up another touchdown. I don't think it did though. 
But anyway, I'm just saying, I think, I think your boy was just dead ass tired. I just think he was that exhausted, that mentally and physically drained from the afternoon, from the heat, from an offensive line that could not block Miami. Ingram was hitting him. Wilkins was hitting him almost every play. He lost his composure once, ripped the helmet off Wilkins and got a 15-yard penalty. It was it, that was that was stupid. I, I, how did I agree. that, how did that drive end? Um, you know what? Actually, they, that the one where they got to like, didn't it? Wasn't that the one they got down to like second and goal from the one? Yep. And, yeah, he it was and, second and 25 after his his boneheaded penalty, right. and it was a yeah, boneheaded like they were able penalty. to get down, they field, converted but, it. Yeah, right. But the ultimate finish in the drive, right? They didn't score a touchdown. No, right. I agree. I, I, again, I, I think Josh played well, all things considered. Okay, now if this game was in Buffalo and he threw four or five interceptable passes like he did in Miami, because you are right about that, and it doesn't mm-hmm. show up in the stat sheet. I might be singing a different tune, but again, no Mitch Morris, which God, that, you know, I was talking about this on Twitter on Monday, by the way. I think the absence of Mitch Morris hurt them more than any other player being out. I think it hurt him mm-hmm. more than need both defensive tackles being out. I think it hurt him more than yep. no Dane Jackson or even both the safeties. The the, the, the fumble snaps a couple times. It cost them three points at halftime. It, it did cost him three points at halftime and uh, probably cost them the confidence to to run the ball from second and goal from the one with him under center because, you know, it's a third string center in there and it's easier for a, a, a center who's not adept at centering that it's easier for them to snap the ball in shotgun than it is mm-hmm. with the quarterback running underneath them, which is kind of weird, but that's what everybody says. But anyway, look, through three games, he's passed for, uh, 1,014 yards, which is the most in the NFL. He's completed 71.9% of his passes, which is at, that's like Drew Brees completion mm-hmm. percentage numbers right there. 71.9, nine touchdowns, two picks, and he's got 113 yards and a touchdown. Josh Allen, and again, we're staying with the good right now. Put it this way. Josh Allen's the least of the Buffalo Bills problems oh, right yeah. now. That much we could uh, agree on. I also like, on a, on a smaller scale, James Cook, the rookie running back, Mm-hmm. Caught four passes for 37 yards. He had 10 snaps. He had one carry, caught the ball four times, and one was a bad pass that was targeted to him. So, like, half the time he was in there, they got him the ball. You can kind of see Ken Dorsey starting to have more trust in him. I, I, I think you're going to start to see more significant games going forward from uh, from James Cook when he, when he's in, when uh, when he's part of the game plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's tough to come back when your first carry ends up being a fumble in the NFL. Like that's, you know, his first or second carry was, a, was put on the ground. His first. Over. It was, it his was the only first carry. carry. Yeah. It was oh, first man. carry is his only carry that game. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's tough. Like you, you got to earn it back at that point. I know McDermott likes to go back. You know, he wants to be like, all right, shake it off, get back to it. But you know, in game one situation, it's like, all right, dude, like, listen, we got two other running backs here. <laughs> we, you know, you're a rookie. You gotta, you gotta sit for a minute. Cause you know, I'm sure with Moss and, uh, with Singletary, anytime that they put it on the ground in the past, I was like, all right, just take a seat on the bench for a bit. Right. For a bit. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's, I, I can see why, they, I mean, Jesus Christ, my, my Twitter feed, I, you know, I follow media, I follow, you know, a good number of fans. And, you know, obviously anybody who's from Buffalo is a, is a Bills fan. It's very rare to find somebody who's, who's a Buffalo person that isn't one. Uh, so it's just, you know, Sunday, Sunday or whatever friggin' day the game is, I, I basically can't look at Twitter because it's just, 
it's either every reporter doing the play by play or it's the fans reacting to every play. And I'm just sure. like, okay, I, I got to step away from this, which made it tough on Sunday for me trying to keep up with what the hell the Sabres were doing in their first preseason game. <laughs> I'm just trying to find any information. And it's just people just nonstop, just going crazy. And I'm like, all right, let me just find Lance's feed and I'll just follow, <laughs> follow what Lance is putting down about it. Cause that's, that's really all I had, but, um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I Maybe it's maybe it's the Lions guy in me where I always end up zeroing in more on things that did go wrong and things that could have been worse. Maybe that's just you know my mindset with with football stuff sure. because that's you know that's the way it's the way I am, man. I can't I can't fight nature at this point, but um, but it, it's you know for for a lot of the good stuff, uh, I can come up with a solid counter argument not that i want to get into these arguments on twitter please anybody listening to this do not take me up on any of this bill stuff on twitter i am i have less than zero interest in discussing it <laughs> but you know i mean i watched the game i watched you know how everything went down so i know what i'm talking about and you know i'm not a sports idiot but it's just I'm not interested in getting into bills discussions online i just i have less than i have less than zero patience for any of that stuff it's just like oh, whatever take it up with pat so i'm sending them to you pat if they, if i they have I have a, I actually have a topic saved for near the end for that specific game that you're talking about. But yeah, I like James Cook. I like his game, and I and I and I think the confidence in him is growing, and I think he's going to be a, a bigger part of uh, mm -hmm. the game plan going forward. Another guy, and I know we're all just going to talk about the last game because he didn't get out of bounds. Which, by the way, I've watched that replay, and I know I think it was Jones 25. Who I'm not sure he would have made it out of bounds. Okay, he, mm -hmm. he was tired. But anyway, I thought Isaiah McKenzie played a great game. He had seven catches. 76 yards and a touchdown and again like most of the guys you could just tell how drained he was how exhausted he left everything on the field just like stefan Diggs did mm -hmm. and you know running 90 plays yeah you exhausted the the miami defense but when it's that high you also exhausted yourself these guys literally were cramping up every play mm -hmm. and come in and out of the game because they couldn't walk but i thought this was you used the term gutsy with josh allen i'm going to use the term gutsy with little Isaiah McKenzie, man, I thought he played mm -hmm. a very gutsy game. I thought he made some clutch. He scored a touchdown. He made a really clutch catch. I, I like him a lot. And um, I'm a big believer now. If I wasn't already, I'm a big believer that he's the right guy to play in the slot in this offense. I think he's a perfect mm -hmm. fit right now for what they're doing. You agree? Oh, yeah. I I was saying that last year. And that's not mm -hmm. just that's just because I was ready to throw Cole Beasley out of town. But um I was saying that last year about him. I said he he offers more options what you can do in the offense with him. He can do a lot. He could do all that slot receiver stuff, get underneath, uh, you know, just be available. You know, you know those five yards and under routes where it's like, okay, need it need somebody to escape to. Let me zip it to him. Uh, but then you also have the ability to do the end arounds. You know, the sneaky run plays where you want to sell other moves, where it gives you more options to run with a running back, or uh, you can roll. Uh, Allen out for a pass play or something like that. It just gives you more more misdirection provided, or and he has the ability to to run it and get yards for you. So I that, I've been big on him since he started showing it. What late last season? Uh, you know, there's I think there's still some of those hiccups, and that's what really prevents them from going all in and saying like, okay, we're going to incorporate you into this offense more. I, I mean, obviously, there's bigger options. You know, you want to you need to feed the, feed digs. You need to get Davis involved. You have to get, you know, Knox has to get his catches. So I mean, he's, you know, like the fourth, roughly like the fourth option out there, I guess. Um, but he offers you that 
ability to do so many different things that you're not going to do with these other guys. Like you're not going to have Gabe Davis run an end around or, or, or digs. Like you're just not going to do that with those guys. Um, and you know, you've got running backs that can, that can do a lot of, that can do a lot of the pass catching that can do the running, but with McKenzie, he's got like that breakaway ish speed where he can get away from guys if he gets loose. And that's, that's a huge bonus. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. So, you know, that's the offensive side of the ball, Joe. The, on the defense, I think the safeties long-term are going to be the most important part because Phillips and Oliver, I, I hope that they're going to be back soon. I expect them back yeah. soon. Hyde's done for the year. An employer has a foot injury. He might be back soon, but he might not be 100%. These safeties, these young safeties are going to be very important. Jaquan Johnson and uh, DeMar Hamlin. I thought they did some pretty good things out there. That that Jaquan Johnson's physical as shit, man. He was laying some mm-hmm. big-ass hits out there. Now, of course... They're not Hyde employer, and, and we saw that. The one big play they allowed the whole game, um, Jalen Waddell just, man, he smoked Jaquan mm-hmm. Johnson and Tua caught him deep, and uh, DeMar Hamlin was a half-step getting there. And, um, you know, that's just, that doesn't happen. Micah Hyde does not let you go over the top on him, you know, and mm-hmm. we saw that. But I would say, and plus, by the way, J- Johnson also had a, a a dumb personal foul. I mean, he drilled the guy, you know, yeah. up there to head. It was mm-hmm. second and goal. It would have been third and goal from the eight if he didn't do that. He said it was first and goal from the four yard line or whatever. Miami scored mm-hmm. uh, on that drive. So they, you know, they they made mistakes. But Hamlin had a half sack. I, I thought all things considered. Again, I keep saying that a lot. All things considered, because there's a lot to consider with these injuries and everything that happened in Miami, but. All things considered, I think if you're a Bills fan, you walk away a little more confident now knowing that your safeties can play. They're not some bums out there. You know what I mean? I, I thought they I thought they held their own pretty well, as did this entire defense, because I know the offense being out there so long, you know, Miami didn't get a lot of the ball for a lot of possessions. But, mm-hmm. yo, you know, they held them 21 points, Joe, with, yeah. with, with like five starters out on defense. I don't know what more realistically you can ask from this defense. Well, I, with the injuries, I'd almost rather have them be to the defense because I trust McDermott and Bean to get, uh, McDermott, especially with the defense, uh, because he knows he he gets he's able to get the right, especially guys. the secondary. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, he's he's so good at finding the right guys that fit what what he's looking for out of the mm-hmm. defense. Uh, so I, you know, he and Leslie Frazier really are very good. Uh, with all of that stuff, so I, you, 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 I mean, listen, it, you never want to be without your your two all pro safeties. Like, let's let's be real, like that that's asking a lot of everybody to try to to try to cover for that. But when you you know you're looking, you're just trying to make things work for a game, trying to you know find ways to scheme it, find ways to make it work. Listen, the, D, the you know the D line, the D ends, you know Russo and those guys, they were able to crash through on the sides. You know they made. You know, Tua, Tua didn't have a comfortable day no. for the you know for a lot of the game, but Rizal was very good. Yeah, he's dynamite, and he's almost better having like when he gets a rush on the inside. Him coming around the edge is one thing, but like he's able to dart on the inside. Mm-hmm. That's he's he's impossible to get away from. He's six foot nine. You know, like how are you getting away from a, a fast six nine DN? You're not. Um, but yeah, with defense. I don't sweat defense too much. Now, listen, this defense is being stretched very, very, very far. They're without three, four starters in the secondary. You know, Trey White, uh, you know, Poyer, Dane Jackson. Dane Jackson. The whole secondary. Dane Jackson right. was out. 
Benford got hurt in the first quarter. Yeah, so <laughs> it's you're you're stretching a lot, and you're you're asking a lot of your of mm-hmm. your pass rush to to try to to force things to, to make it easier on the secondary. So that's tricky. With if you know uh, you know the upcoming games, I mean, geez, but they got somebody who's got a really tough O line, like one that really blocks well. They could be that could be a little bit dicey if that team can throw. Uh, but you know, I yeah, I Bill's defense. I don't. I don't sweat it too much, although this is this is asking a lot. It is. <laughs> this is asking a lot. It is. My, my, my last thought on the good side, and then like I said, we're going to hit on a couple negative things. This is no homer podcast by any means, man. I'm not high in Miami at all, okay? I, I'm just going to be honest mm-hmm. with you, and I was going into the season. In fact, I fought, and you know this, I, I was pro Tua, but a lot of Bills fans on Twitter with beefs, oh, man. man. But uh, I'm not that high in Miami at all right now. They're going to be very much in the mix. They're 3-0, and and there's a lot of easy games coming up, but when push comes to shove and it's money time, it's playoff time, I think their defense is whack. I, I honestly, I think the Bills, if Gabe Davis is healthy, if Mitch Morris is out there, if that line is out there and it's not 95 degrees out, which it will not be going forward, I think no. the Bills easily hang 40 on that defense. And two ain't scoring 40 on the Bills defense. It's just not going to. And I'm not saying that as a homer. I'm being dead. I Just my honest opinion. I think this is a defense that the Bills come out and they can score 40 on uh, with little problem. Two makes game-changing bad throws, and we'll talk about one of them. You hit, a, hit on it earlier. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't take advantage of uh, those opportunities. To me, Kansas City and Baltimore, even though Miami it was a fluke game, whatever, shit happens. Credit to them. I'm not going to take completely take it away. You can't just use excuse after excuse to give Miami no credit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I still think Baltimore's a better team than Miami. I still think Cincinnati's a better team than Miami. They just got off to a shitty start their first two weeks. They bounced mm-hmm. back this past week. I don't think Miami's one of the top three, maybe not even one of the top four teams in this conference right now. I'm I'm not concerned about them long-term. I'll give them their due on a victory, but I, I, I'm not really concerned about them, honestly. Yeah, I, I, it's it's funny because it was, I mean, well, how they played last year was weird because they were, would start off, oh, what, 0-7, something like that. Like they were horrible the first yeah. half and then were unbeat, you know, unbeatable in the second half of the season. Uh, I, I wonder if we could be looking at something like that where they just end up being like one of these terrible slow starting teams and then they figure their stuff out later in the year. I mean, we'll see. Um, but I don't know. I I, I got to give Tua some credit, you know, for all the shit talking that a, a lot, a lot of Bill's Twitter does. And it's a lot on it Tua. Is. <laughs> and it's only on, it, they for whatever, every fan base does this. They find one quarterback to zero in that's on a rival team, and they just try to bury him, rip the rip him apart, bury him for you know for whatever reasons. I I have buddies that were that are Patriots fans, and that were they are, uh, and forever, forever and ever and ever, it was like Peyton Manning stinks. I hate Peyton Manning. I was like, dude, I, I he's not Brady, but like Jesus, he's the other great quarterback in the league. Like what do you like? What do you want? No, oh, he sucks. He's awful. Get him out of there. He's a bum. Like, <laughs> All right, man. I guess, but you're acting kind of weird about this. But like, those Twitter's getting that way about Tua. It's just like he sucks, he stinks, he's he's no Allen. Blah blah blah. Like, well, who is man? Yeah. Mahomes. That's it. Mahomes. Like, Allen wants to be Mahomes, you know. And there's a lot of stuff Allen doesn't. Mahomes wants to do better. So, but like those, that's your echelon, right? You know, if you're gonna try to, I mean, you can't bury Mahomes because Mahomes has beaten him. But, uh, but Tua is an easy target because you know the, he doesn't have the arm. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't. 
he doesn't run as much as he did in college. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious why that's the case, but, um, but it, you know, but he does, he's, there's, there's some things that he's doing this year that, that are, that are a lot better than what he was doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, he's growing, he's grown as a football player. Yeah, and I mean he's young too. Like that's that's the, that's the other thing. But like, man, Bill's tour gets freaking weird about Tua. It's kind of like there's a lot of people I want to pull aside and be like, "You okay? Is everything is everything fine at home? <laughs> is, is everything going okay? Like, you know, you need somebody to talk to because we, I'll talk it out with you. It's fine. But but yeah, like, I, I just I don't know. It, it, it's there's a lot of stuff like that that gets out that that that's go that goes on where I'm just kind of like, what are we doing? You know, what's going on here, man? <laughs> I, uh, I, I agree you're right you're right 100 percent. let's take it let's take a real quick breaker and come back on the other side i got a couple of issues with the bills where i'm not going to accept injuries as an excuse a couple things about this team so far through three games maybe that i don't like be right back folks sports fans who like the wager i'm here to tell you about odds trader the number one site for all your game day bets If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than OddsTrader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts. If you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most, if you're going with the favorites, Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which, by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker. So they can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, OddsTrader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. Again, that's OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back here with Joe Yurden on Tuesday, not Friday, folks. 
Um, here, here's something I, I I don't like about the Bills right now this season. They 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 have got to be able to run the football better, and especially look, they don't have to run the football more often. They have to run it better. There's a big difference between running it more and running it better. Um, and that especially holds true when it's second and third in a yard. They are awful, awful mm-hmm. right now running the football. Last week against the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football, and I remember because I got to be honest with you, when you win 41-7, you got to be really nitpicky to find stuff to bitch about. Well, mm-hmm. the one thing I do remember is the Bills went 0 for 3 on 31 against the Tennessee Titans. So that was last week. Today, the Crippler, or today, Sunday, the Crippler from Sunday, second and goal. You hit on this earlier. Second and goal from that, not even the one, from the half-yard line. Yeah. And Josh Allen is in the shotgun running some form of, I don't even want to say a read option because he really didn't have a chance to, but he gets hit in the right. backfield and he loses two and a half yards when it's second and goal from the half-yard line. The only thing I could possibly say, because a lot of people are pointing this out, they got their third-string center in and entrust them maybe to snap it under center. I get that to an extent, but again, I would probably put more stock into that if I didn't see him in the shotgun on third and one three times the week before when Mitch Morris was in the game against uh, Tennessee. I bitched about it last week. I bitched about it again. I just had a loss how you don't put big-ass Josh Allen up there. It's almost like since that quarterback sneak last year in Tennessee where he slipped and didn't get in mm-hmm. on fourth and goal and they lost the game on that play. It's almost like I haven't seen that. I don't think I have seen that since. I'm just I don't, I'm I at don't a loss with that, that man. I, they're not the only team that does that getting the shotgun thing from, from inside, it. inside, like Ugh, inside the five, it. like you, at the one yard line, I, you see it too much. Like guys getting these dumb, these dumb shotgun formats. Like you're starting the guy six yards behind the line. Like, okay, cool. Like how quick are de- defenders? They're going to be able to get back there if they get through. If you're, if your center is competent enough to make a snap, you mentioned this earlier and it stuck me, stuck with me as you were seeing it. Isaiah McKenzie on jet sweeps, right? Mm-hmm. Run his ass in, get under center, run him in motion, and Josh could either take it and go himself, or he could turn and a quick power dive handoff to Zach Moss, one or the other, mm-hmm. move Mike McKenzie around, maybe have the defense think a little bit. It's just so boring, and not even boring, just it's, it's vanilla. It's vanilla. Yeah. How they how they just sometimes you need to be vanilla is what I'm saying. Actually, that's what right. I'm trying to say here, and I don't know. It's like they outthink themselves. Just the running game, and, and that's in the goal line situations. To me, that cost them the game, by the way, not scoring when it would have been second one. I think if the Bills score, I think they win that game. Just the running game in general. Zach Moss had a beautiful 43-yard run. A lot of that was one good block. He, he had a nice read. He bounced outside. That was awesome. But that aside, if you take away that one run, that 43-yard run, Moss had three carries for three yards. Devin Singletary had nine carries on the day, got 13 yards. and. Um, James Cook had one carry for for three yards. So that's six. That's sixteen yards on twelve carries for for the game. Taking away the one run by Zach Moss by the running backs. Again, you don't need to have a balanced running game, Joe. But man, you got to be efficient, especially in these short yard situations. And they're not. And I continue to blame that fucking shotgun mm-hmm. when it's yeah. less less than a yard needed. I just don't understand it. You got a two hundred something pound physical specimen. As your quarterback, trust him. He we see him run people over in the open field all the time. Yeah. Get a half yard, man. The game's over. This that plays into something that drives me crazy with their offense, and they they've been doing it for for a few years now. The trying to draw draw guys offside stuff when you got you need a yard. 
What? Why? You have the best offense in the NFL. Like you're not like some middling team that like that right. you, you need those tricks and nonsense to maybe get some plays. The best offense in the NFL, and every week they're doing this dumb. We need a yard. Oh, let's let's draw them offside. Shit, cut it out. Yeah, I, right, like, just do a QB sneak. Do do literally anything. You know, just, uh, run up, run a friggin' play. Because it's, so it's 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 an EJ Manuel play for a reason because he stunk. Like that's why mm-hmm. you know that's why you do that with those those guys because you don't trust them. You don't trust these guys to get a goddamn yard. Yeah. What are you doing? I I, I, I don't get it. it it's hey. it's so frustrating to see that, and it drives me. And again, Bills watcher, not a Bills fan, and I sit there and I want to scream at the TV seeing them do this dumb shit. Like the shotguns yeah. with in short yardage, I get it. It plays into some of the plays, whatever. Get get the yard. Count snaps and bullshit. Stop it. 20 play, 90 something yard drive that they didn't finish for a touchdown. They only got a field goal because again, they got in deep into Miami territory and they couldn't finish it off with the run. You don't need to run more often, but they need to find a way to run uh more efficiently. But so far, that that's an issue. But for me, far and away, the biggest problem with the Bills through three games, which again, they've won two of them, and the two they won were blowouts, but mm-hmm. The Bills' worst enemy so far this season is the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. It's not anything that anyone else is doing. They're beating themselves. Josh Allen said after the game they beat themselves, and I completely 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, injuries are a factor, absolutely. They, they hate the elements. They're factors. But again, we said this at the beginning. The Bills blew the football game. They mm-hmm. they dominated most of the game. Yeah. 490-something yards. John World tweeted this out today. It's the most the Bills have ever in the history of the franchise have ever put up and lost a game where they lost the game ever as long since 1960 mm-hmm. it's the most yards they've ever put up and still lost the game they dominated the time they dominated the yards they didn't finish drives matt milano you referenced it earlier he dropped a gift pick six it would have been his second in a row two straight weeks he just dropped it that was after the bills had a 20 play drive that only culminated in a field goal he mm-hmm. picks it off they're, they're up 10 I think that's a wrap that's right there. Ball. Yep. The, you mentioned the botch snap right before the half. That certainly caused him an opportunity for three points, if if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Again, Gabe Davis not coming down with what should have been a touchdown, and that was on that twenty play drive where they ended up not getting a field goal. So that cost them four points. Josh Allen, of course, as great as I I think he played anyway, despite you know the heat and the circumstance and the hits, had the worst throw of his season, maybe his career, mm-hmm. on that fourth and goal play where Isaiah McKenzie had the guy burn. He was wide open. Yeah. And Josh one hopped it to him. I mean, that was like some a Nate Peterman type of throw. That was like watching me throw that pass. <laughs> right. Again, I just I just think he was honestly so gassed. And McKenzie not getting out of bounds at the end of the game or not catching the ball, getting up and getting down so they can get an opportunity to spike the ball quicker instead mm-hmm. of right by the time he realized he wasn't gonna might not make it there, it was too late. They missed a 38-yard field goal. The hole was perfect. Uh the snap was perfect, and they missed Tyler Bass misses a 38-yard field goal. Yep. The dumb penalty, I mentioned it, with Jacon Johnson uh, hit the guy in the head, mm-hmm. uh, which would have been a third and goal from the eight. They get a first down there. And it's just literally one of those things don't happen. The Bills, they they win the game, you know? So, mm-hmm. and, and against the Rams, Joe, they turned the ball over four times. Yep. It mattered. They still blew them up by three touchdowns, but they turned the ball over four times. The yep. Bills' worst enemy through three weeks has been the Buffalo Bills. You agree yeah. with that? I, I think yeah. that's pretty obvious. Yeah, it's it, it's nitpicky because they look so good. 
you know, and you know, the grand, the grand scheme of things, it feels like it's being nitpicky, but it's a lot of mistakes. Those are mistakes that happen in the playoffs. You're out. Yeah. A two point point game. They lost a two point game with all those mistakes. Right. But like, even like, you know, the Rams game, you know, yeah, the bills shot themselves in the foot, but the Rams shot themselves in all four Ram feet, you know, like (laughs) that's, you know, that's, that's how that game played out. But, um, but if you're, but if you put up a game like that, where, uh, you're, 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 you know, you're making dumb plays, you're making bad throws, you're taking bad penalties, you know, you're, you're putting the ball on the ground, you know, whatever, the, whatever it is that you're doing. And it's just, you know, it's not having your head in the game. You're not lasting long in the postseason with that. Cause it, oh. I don't care about regular season, like whatever regular season game, you can move past that, you know, next week, go out and kill, you know, go after Baltimore, see if you can take them out. Um, but when you're whole, you're playing your whole season for the playoffs. You're playing your whole season to be like, we're winning the Super Bowl this year. You you can't afford to have games like that where, uh, you know, if you're just kind of like, oops, didn't do that right. Oops, didn't do that right. You know, suddenly it's three, four, five of those things, and you're down. You know, against a good team, you're down twenty one, and you're like, uh oh, we're we got to fix this now, and then it gets panic time. But let me piggyback your point because you're right. Let me piggyback this and and ask you. So you agree that the Bills are their own worst enemy right now and that we might be being a little bit nitpicky, but they're making a lot of mistakes. Their mm-hmm. talent's overcoming it, right? Yep. Well, at least it did the first two games anyway. We And you would agree that if they're not the most talented team in the NFL, they're certainly in the upper echelon. They're certainly right there. I'm sure oh, yeah. that you agree with that. So yeah. you take how good they are, but you take their propensity for, for beating themselves and making mistakes. Leads to my last point here. This is something that was a big Monday argument on social media because a lot of people want to downplay this. I put the stat out there. I think it's significant. Mm-hmm. Over the last 22 games right now for the Buffalo Bills, including the playoffs last year, so all of last season, the playoffs, and the first three games this year, the Buffalo Bills record when the score is two or more scores, their record is 14-1. and one. The only game they lost was when they got beat up by Indy last year. Mm-hmm. So they're 14-1 and one in two-score games or two scores or more. Their record when it's a one score game over the last 22, zero and seven. Literally, they're 0 and seven in their last seven games when it comes to one score games. Now, some people were trying to whip Jeremy White from WGR, was not happy with these stats, and he was going at it with Nate Gary. You know, so, all, so everyone's arguing with each other. That's just, you know, how it is after a Bill's loss. You, you said a bomb and media. walked away and everybody, and everybody <laughs> blew up on it. <laughs> Some people will say, well, the, you know, the Bills were, the game was tied in the third quarter and then the Bills pulled away and it ended up being a two score game or more, whatever. It was a close game that the Bills ended up winning by more. And it might have some validity to it, but that's not the point. The point is these one score games, they often come down to the last drive, the final plays. And when it comes down, push comes to shove, the Buffalo Bills are 0 and 7. Now, some people, Reference 2020 when uh, the Bills won a lot of close games. They were like six and one in one scored games. Well, that's not why. Why you're not including that? Well, because I think at that time the Bills were on the come up. I think the Bills were the hunters. Now they're the hunted. Now they're the favorites. Now everyone's giving them their best shot. And when the team is as talented as they are, I think the only thing that could stop them is them choking and gagging besides beating themselves in these tight games. And uh, Kevin Forgot his his uh, handle on Twitter. Smart dude, though. Mainly a Sabres guy, but uh, that, he went all the way back oh, to. I, I know who you mean, NT Ryder. Yeah, him. Yeah. So he he had a stack because him again, him and Jeremy White and these guys are going at it literally all day. You know, people just get tested on Mondays after a Bills loss. It happens. Mm-hmm. But uh, he he went back to Josh since Josh Allen and McDermott have been together. 
The Bills are 12 and 16 in one score game. So it's not good. So you look at this roster, how good it is. That could derail them though when it gets to be the playoffs and it's a and it's a one score game if it's tight. They got to find a way to win these games. And this was just, just like last year with the Tennessee game and the 13 seconds and a couple other games. It's like, you got to pull one of these games out in the last drive in the last two minutes. And it's just yeah. the one thing the bills ain't doing, man. And for me, it's, they changed their entire mentality when the games are close. They play to not lose them instead of play to win it. Mm -hmm. and I know that seems like it's, you know, nonsense stupidity like you know making you know coming up with something that sounds cool it's a great sound bite but i don't know man like every the last few close games that i watched of theirs you know i think back to like what the tampa game last year you know yeah. that was that was a very small performance in you know in a tight game kansas i mean the kansas city playoff game like, i mean that was that was gunslinger back and forth but still two dumb mistakes cost them the game you know, that made it go to overtime anyways. You know, it was a coaching mistake and a kicking mistake. Like that's that's what happens there. But it's things like that where you you th this is where this is where I was going with with the mistake thing. Like you you can you can make a mistake and get away with it. You can't make a bunch of them, you know, mental error, you know, turnover error, whatever it is, and expect to get by in those kinds of games because that's usually where that those kinds of games turn, you know. Uh, and it's 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 just something where there, there, it feels like there's something more to it, but just you know in in the anecdotal space for for me, I, I see those close games and I look at how McDermott runs it, and I don't like it. Me neither. I, I said that about the Kansas City. I mean, you could put the Kansas City game, the playoff game, on him, as far as I'm concerned. Like that that loss is on him. He's got to wear that one. But so many of these other close games where it's like what are you doing, man? Like, you know, I, I, I don't have much of the, you know, I don't have many of these games like committed to memory. Like I know Bill's fans will, but like willing to bet if I go back and watch the Tennessee game last year, but there's some moments where I'd be like, oh, I know about that. I mean, obviously the last play, that, that's the big one where it's, you know, kick the extra point, go to overtime or just win it. I appreciate anybody saying win it. And he probably should have any, you know, nine times out of 10, he scores that, but, but still, you know, it's, you can't put yourself in that position where one one mistake, one one mental error, one brain fart can cost you the entire game. It's you about can't, you can't play in that way. It's about as unpopular as a Bills take as a as a fan or a media person can have is questioning. Won't even we'll even say accusing. We'll even we'll mm -hmm. even just say questioning whether Sean McDermott has what it takes to win a a big game, a tight game. Mm -hmm. When it matters most, is he going to shut down? Is he going to, to use your word? Cause it actually is, it makes sense to brain fart mm -hmm. when it matters, uh, the most. So we talked about the good. We talked about the bad. I got a couple, uh, of the ugly circling back to Josh Allen. He ain't going to last 17 games. If he's going to get hit like he did on Sunday, no. I'm going to tell you that right now, running the ball as much as he did, not, not out of choice, out of running from pressure, right. taking the hits that he did. And again, mm -hmm. the, the elements were just awful, but that's only, that's hopefully, I don't think you're going to see them playing in 95 degree weather again. So that was an anomaly, but the hits that he's taken and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't care how big and tough and strong he is. And by the way, on Monday, he's okay. He went in the extra right. room after the game on Sunday. McDermott said he's fine on Monday. He's just really sore. I'm goddamn right. He's, he's yeah. sore because he took a beating, man. It was like last year against the chiefs game where he took such a beating. And I remember after that Chiefs game, he would have played against the Bengals. But I remember 
hearing people talking about he would not have been able to practice that week. He was just too generally sore. Mm-hmm. Might be the case for some of this week as well. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Josh Allen to some extent on the injury report just as a precaution to let him kind of get a couple of days. But your boy ain't lasting 17 weeks if he's going to take that kind of pounding, man. It's uh, that was the one thing, and you know, I you know, the elements thing, the, the Miami defense was on the field as much as the, the Bills offense, sure. And they were getting they were getting in to the backfield blitzing. quite a bit, you know, and I know, and it's the blitzing, it's not, it wasn't always the you know, a, a four man rush thing where they were getting through, it, they blitzed for a reason, and, and it was it, very obvious. I'm, you know, what, let me let me backtrack a little bit. You're they did blitz a lot. Mm-hmm. And they got to him when it mattered, especially that last drive. But I'm short selling Miami. Ingram was beating the shit out of Brown in the first half, and Deion Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Wilkins got back there. They were hitting him with just four men rush too. So yeah. I, I don't want to short sell them too much. Miami's defense. yeah, but it's uh, you know, th- but it's one of those things where teams, you know, other teams do that. It's like yeah, go ahead, blitz. Yeah, whatever, have fun. You're going to get picked apart. Well, when you're blitzing and getting in the backfield. And you're making the quarterback having, you know, he doesn't have the time to to really set. He doesn't have that time to really make the throw. I don't care how good a quarterback you are, you're not going to hit the, be able to make those plays 100 percent of the time. You're not going to make those plays, you know, you know, 75 percent of the time a lot of the time. So that sounds like a Yogi Berraism. 75 percent of the time, all the time. It's going Ron Burgundy with sports stuff now, but, um, but I mean, it's it, it's it, it's it's those things where you know it's like the Jacksonville game. Last year, Jacksonville got in the backfield constantly that game. And it was just like, what the hell? Like, who are these guys? And of course, other Josh Allen was a guy who had who had the big day, the one for Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But it was just, you know, you know, maybe it's just like one of those days where that happens uh, or it's just, you know, it's just a bad week or, you know, whatever you chalk it up to. All I know is that if the, the issues that popped up against Miami repeat themselves against Baltimore, then it's a big problem because then right. that's two games in a row against teams you could see in the playoffs. I agree hundred percent. What do you think, by the way, and I put this on their ugly, um, Ken Dorsey completely lost his shit. I'm sure you saw that. Yeah. Do you, do you, is that Bush league? Do you like, no. the, do you like the fire? Do you like, do you like the passion or what was that Bush league? No, it makes, no, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Me, like it's how do you not have that reaction? How do you not, how are you not a competitor? He's pissed. How are, you, like, how are you not a competitor? And like something, you know, goes haywire, you know, things don't turn out. And like the coach is just going to sit there and go, just kind of be all like, okay, whatever. Not everybody can be stone faced. Like, uh, like Todd Bowles in Tampa, like when, whenever he coached the jet, any number of like horrific mistakes would happen. And he would just be straight faced. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know anything went wrong. He'd just be stone faced. Yeah. I listen, it's Ken Dorsey's first time as an OC. He's taking, you know, he's taking all this stuff on and he knows the plays that will work. And if you don't execute them, then yeah, it's a good reason to be upset. But Jesus, people like he had a like he apologized for doing it. Dude, no, man, you're fine. I liked it. You're fine. Like smash, smash a laptop. Who gives a shit? The team's got got a warehouse full of laptops. You kidding me? Like they didn't execute. He was mad. I don't blame him right. at all. It's One just, other thing that, that dopey Kyle Brandt, that freaking guy, you know, oh, this is going to haunt his career, dude, go back to doing songs and dances about the bill. He's, get, he's getting eaten up a little bit where they're calling him a little bit phony. Like his shit the is an act. Take. His, shit, his shit is an act to a certain extent Boy, where Ken Dorsey's shit is very, 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 very real. Yeah. Um, We talked about this earlier. I'm going to turn heel right now. Ooh. I'm Bill's fans. This might cost me a yeah. little bit, but I got to be honest. 
I, you need to pick somebody to hit out with a chair. My you're going heel, okay? <laughs> Miami fans suck, okay? They, they, they do. They were talking so much shit. I've been to, to multiple games in Miami, okay? They, they treat Bills fans like shit, okay? They were classless after the game talking shit all over Twitter, saying some really inappropriate personal comments about certain Bills fans. I'm really not going to get into the gist of that. Mm-hmm. Very uncalled for, very classless. Okay, that said, Miami fans suck. That's what? Bills fans, a lot of y'all suck too because it's – I got news for you, Joe, and you know this, man. Oh, I know. It's 32 cities, 32 fan bases, 32 portions of shit fans mm-hmm. all over the place that are insufferable. Let me remind you of something through the first two Bills games. Does this sound familiar to you? I'm just being honest. Okay. Oh, your team punts? I can't relate. I saw, yeah. you know, all the shit talking. Oh, I don't, we, we don't need a punter, this and that. Talking so much trash, so much shit. Now, maybe the personal comments are a little bit, you know, more to the right. medium. Although, there are, again, there are a portion of classless scumbag Bills fans who will say the same things that Miami fans are saying about a certain thing of Bills fans. Mm-hmm. Point being is this. You can be mad at Miami fans right now, but you're mad because the Bills lost the game. Right. You ain't no better. We ain't no better. Your mm-hmm. Detroit Lions fans ain't no better. We're all one of 32 groups of idiots. You know what I'm saying? Like, relax. I'm all the Miami fans are the worst. You guys ain't all that great either. Not, I'm talking about a portion, of course, Joe. Not all Bills fans. <laughs> Most Bills fans are great. Let me make sure that's clear. But you know yeah. what I'm saying. There's jerk-offs in every fan base, including oh, yeah. football. But, that, yeah, it's it's a lot of the talk shit get hit stuff where, sure. you know, get better at your, your crap talking game and just be able to know you have to take it as well as you're yeah. given. Got to take if it. If you can't take it when you give it out, then you're just being, you're, you're being ridiculous. But yeah, yeah it's uh got to take it, man. Got to eat it. Yeah, it's, I, I, I know it's a new, it's a whole new situation for, for Bills fans to be like, okay, you're, you're the top team. You're the team that's supposed to win it. Now everybody's, everybody's going to be coming at your team. And if yeah. you look like crap or you lose game, people are going to come out of the woodwork and, and, and kick you while you're down. Bills fans do it too. You know, like Jesus. <laughs> we, I agree. The number I barely follow anybody from Massachusetts, but the number of times I saw Mac Jones getting carried off the field, the picture, like the freeze frames of the pictures, and oh, yeah. it's not just Bill's people, it's you know, it's all over the place. But people just kind of like getting a little, you know, wry smile or smug at seeing that. It's like, no, you're no better. Like, listen. let me be bear, let me be clear with you, Joe. I do the same shit too. Oh, yeah. So I know I gotta eat it. Mm-hmm. Don't be offended by nasty Miami shit talking comments right. when you lose because you're talking enough shit when they win. Mm-hmm. And to your point, it is a big deal now to beat the Buffalo Bills, which is kind of funny because it used right. to be really you're, you're talking shit. You just beat the Buffalo Bills. Why mm-hmm. are you talking shit? Yeah. The rivalry of Buffalo Miami is so real, man. These teams and fans hate each other. And mm-hmm. now it's going to start to become a little bit of rivalry because the Bills had one seven in a row. Last mm-hmm. point, then I'm going to let you go for this. Again, this is part one. Part two will primarily, not just exclusively, but primarily we'll be talking Sabres on Wednesday's show. But uh, Tua, should he have even been in the game in the second half? I mean, dude, I don't buy it. I don't buy it that it was his back. And I, you saw the video. Yeah. You don't have to be a, a goddamn expert. You saw him whack his head. He got mm-hmm. up. 
he just looked Wobbly. completely disoriented. And you're telling me within 15 minutes they made a diagnosis that is not a concussion, and he played the second half. Now, am I crying spilled milk? A Miami fan will say because you know the Bills win with Brit. The Bills beat Bridgewater. Absolutely, they they they, they beat Teddy Bridgewater. There's no mm-hmm. question about that to me. But it's not about that. I'm not even. This isn't me as a Buffalo Bills fan talking. This is me as somebody who doesn't want to see. 20-something, 30-something-year-old dudes suffering from brain damage because they're out there playing with concussions. Mm-hmm. I don't think he should have been playing in that game, though, after seeing him whack his head like that. I see sometimes where players don't end up with a concussion, but they have to go through protocol because they clearly whack their head on the ground or something, and they don't come mm-hmm. back. And Tua was back before he – what he missed? one? He missed two snaps, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he was also – the halftime happened in between. All right, that, but so. still, it's 15, 18 minutes, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I don't think he should have been cleared to play considering him whacking his head like that. I don't know. Maybe you don't agree. I, I can people, people handle those injuries so different. Like for, for what one person might have them out for a couple of weeks, somebody might, their brain might respond better and just be like, okay, yeah, it's fine. After, you know, 15, 20 minutes, it's, it's, it's so weird how people's bodies react to that. It, like there's no, it, it, it it's crazy, but there's not really like a, a like a, a concrete standard. I mean, there's a very wide range of opinions on this stuff. Like when it when it comes to like you know what's right, what's wrong. Obviously, I come from the NHL background where they have the you know the quiet room. You know they've got you know the, mm-hmm. guy it, the spotters see it and they're like, all right, off to the room with you. And th- and but like that's at least like, that, that's like a minimum of 15 minutes a guy goes back there. Like, if they pass if they pass the tests. And, you know, everybody should have the same test, at least. That should be the one uniform thing. Uh, but if you pass the test, you're good to go, then, you know, that, that's what it is. Now, if he winds up on the injury report at some point this week with upper body, like if they get if they start to narrow, I don't think they can get away with that in the NFL, though. That, that's, that's NHL bullshit. But, um, but, if it, but if he goes on, but if he goes into protocol at some point this week, then, okay. Like, I dig in, have Adam, but I don't know, man. I, I've seen... I don't think it, I don't think, I definitely don't think it was a back injury, but I don't know, man, guys act weird. You know, it's bodies are strange. I just don't know how, you know, I, I, I don't know how to read that. It definitely looked like he got, he, he had, he had a concussion of that. He was dazed and he did not know his way, but I mean, I would, I like to see if, if a guy is in that situation, just be out for the game. That would be the safest thing to do. Yeah. But you know, a player, a player ain't going to stand for that. You know, like they, they're just going to be, no, get me back in the game right now. You know, when, even if, you know, if they, they feel good or bad, they're probably going to say that, but if they feel good, you can definitely tell when they feel good as opposed to, you know, if a guy's just still like kind of, yeah, coach, no, get me back in there. I got to do it. And they're just kind of, you know, wobbly or the eyes are, you know, a little jittery or whatever. Like, you know, but yeah. I don't know, You're- man. I, it's just it's just something else where suddenly Bills fans cared about Tua, and it was very weird. So <laughs> this was their Super Bowl. Uh, look, I don't not say some kind of conspiracy. I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. The, the too league's much. not doing anything to help out the Dolphins. Give me a break. I'm not saying that, but to Miami, I mean, maybe their doctor said he was okay. Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But this to me was their Super Bowl. I said that all week, and to their credit, well, actually, I'll give them some credit, I guess, because they did win the football <laughs> game, but. Anyway, all right, so we're going to be right back again tomorrow, and uh, we'll be talking again, mainly hockey, 
Joe Yurden Maintenance Day podcast with Lance Lazowski. We'll talk about that as well in tomorrow's show, as well as yourself with the Bleacher Report. And as always, buddy, man, it's good to uh, it's good to have you back. Yeah, I know it's good to be back. It's nice, to, nice that we were able to carve out carve out a play date tonight. <laughs> talk to you guys soon, and in this case, actually, uh, be talking to you guys tomorrow. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.